Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. scripture today comes from Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 11. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so, Lord, we do. We thank you for your word and your truth. And we just pray that as we read your word today and as we hear this story, that your life and your truth would reign in us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want you to know that if my ego ever gets out of control, one of the ways that you will know that is that instead of playing these beautiful songs right before the sermon, I'll make Reuben and the band play Eye of the Tiger for me to enter into, right? <laughs> that, that, that there's something about a good introduction that, that kind of, of gets things going. Um, you know, there was this football game that happened a few weeks ago, and I don't want to talk about the game, but, but you know it's a big game when there's a six-hour pregame show um, that, that builds into it, right? And one of the things that we can believe is that it is kind of the production of the introduction that can show the priority of a person. That the more time or energy that's spent to introduce somebody or, or the more energy it takes to prepare for something, often the bigger deal that it is. And so I want to show you a, a video clip from um, sort of somebody who made an entrance uh, from, a, it was a long time ago, but this important introduction and kind of what it says about a person. I think we, we have that available for us. Ring bells, bang the drum, 
You're gonna love this guy, Prince Ali. Fabulous, he Ali Alibaba. Show some respect, boy. Can you flex down on one knee? Now try your best to stay calm. Brush up your Friday salon. Then come and meet a spectacular coterie. Prince Ali, my ears, he Ali Alibaba. Strong as ten regular men, definitely. <laughs> He's faced a galloping horse, a hundred bad guys with swords. Who sent those ghouls to their lord? Why, Prince Ali? So, right, like, I mean, if you were in town, imagine if somebody had a parade with the elephants and uh, all that sort of stuff that came down uh, Mustang Road, right? We would, we would catch our attention. And, of course, in the movie Aladdin, Part of what they want to do is to show that, that, that Aladdin, who was a street rat, is actually this prince. And how do you prove that somebody is a prince? Well, you, you've got this entourage, this posse that, that comes. You have this grand introduction, and it, and it tells stories of, of what you have done in the past. And I, I sort of wonder, is, is what if Jesus' sort of triumphal entry into Jerusalem had been a little more like that, right? Um, that, that there was this huge production, now, one of the things that, that I want us to do is, as we dwell in the, the latter half of, of the Gospel of, of Matthew, is I want us to understand the importance of, of what it is that Matthew was trying to communicate to his audience. Now, Matthew is one of the four Gospels. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these four Gospels each tell the story of Jesus, and they all sort of have their own sort of angle in which they, they tell the story. They all have their own goal. And so Matthew's goal is that he was writing to a Jewish audience, to people who grew up Jewish, and his hope was to convince them that Jesus was the Messiah. And so what we see here um, in, in this text is actually we see a lot of clues that, that Matthew sort of gives his audience. There are these kind of kingly clues that, that people who were reading it and who understood the Jewish background, they would say, oh, this is the Messiah. This is a king. And, and there's all sorts of different things that, that come up in our text that help us understand that. Now, part of that begins actually with where it happens is in Jerusalem. Now, in, uh, uh, in Matthew sort of 16, 17, 18, 19, and 20, in these chapters that are leading up to our scripture that we read today, is Jesus sort of tells the people, I am headed to Jerusalem, that, that, that I am on my way to Jerusalem, and, and there I will, I will die, um, but I will, I will live again. And, and they didn't understand what was going on, but they knew that Jerusalem was a big deal. Because it was the center of life for the Jewish people. It's where the temple was, and it's where life happened. And so if something big was to happen, it would happen in Jerusalem. Now, in those days, what the, the Jewish people expected was that there was going to be a Messiah, that there was going to be a king, and this king would, would live forevermore and would reign joyously forevermore. Now, now here's how they understood that to be is uh, the Jerusalem and, and the other areas were sort of occupied by Roman authorities, and so they didn't have free reign. And what they expected was there was going to be this Messiah, this Savior, this King, who would sort of expel the Romans and then would start sort of a lineage of family and that would rule in peace forevermore. But it would happen on earth. And it wouldn't be sort of this heavenly kingdom. It would be an earthly kingdom. 
That's why Jesus' disciples argued about who would get to sit at his right and at his left. They weren't thinking about in heaven when we get to heaven. They were thinking about, hey, in just a few months, when you kick the Romans out and you are sitting on the crown um, just down the road in Jerusalem, who's going to sit at your right and who's going to sit at your left? Who's going to have those powerful positions? And so here, Matthew is giving all these images and all these clues that Jesus is somebody special. And it starts with this idea of going to Jerusalem. Now, we, we, we see the scripture, and if you want to kind of follow through, we're going to kind of walk through this text. In verse 2, Jesus had sent his disciples, and he said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. Now, this sort of sounds like Jesus is stealing an animal. Two animals, actually, right? I mean, because can you imagine if I said, hey, you know, I want you to, to go down to the Arby's parking lot. There's a black truck I really like. Just go get that for me and bring that to me, right? That wouldn't set well, right? But so, so what is it that, that, why is this the case? It's, that is actually a request that a king can make. It's a kingly request, right? Do you hear what he said? The Lord needs them. This is Jesus commandeering a donkey and a colt because he needs them. Apparently that happens, I don't know if that happens in real life, but it happens in movies, right? Police will say, hey, I need this vehicle, I gotta go catch these guys, and they'll commandeer a vehicle, they'll take over a vehicle. This is Jesus saying, I have authority, and that belongs to me if I need it. The Lord needs this. Now, now we do get the sense and the impression, especially from other gospels, that Jesus returned the animals because Jesus is a benevolent king. But this is a kingly request, and this is Matthew giving the hint to his audience that Jesus has that authority to say, if the Lord needs it, the Lord can have it. And so that's part of what happened. Now, in verse 7, um, it tells us this, that they, being the, the, the disciples, brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. And then it says, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road. Now, this just seems strange. Of course, most of us don't wear cloaks, all right? Um, and we don't really understand all of what this text tells us. But this is another kingly act. We actually find reference to this in the Old Testament. 2 Kings 9.13 says it this way. They quickly took their cloaks and spread them under him on the bare steps. Then they blew the trumpet and shouted, Jehu is king. And so this is actually an image that goes back. Again, this, this, these people who would have been reading the, um, what for us is the Old Testament, when the laying down of cloaks, they would say, oh, this is what you do for a king. Now, we don't lay down cloaks, all right? Maybe some of you are gentlemen and you've laid down a, a coat for your wife uh, so she doesn't step in a puddle. I've never been that gentleman-y, um, but maybe some of you are better than that, okay? Um, but but it, it's really, the image I, I really get from it is sort of rolling out the red carpet. Um, is, is, is the, how do we roll out the red carpet? Well, we can't go home. Let's just take our cloaks off and let's lay them down before Jesus and, and, and have him come into town on that. And so that's really the image that we get. Now, the other image um, that, that goes alongside of that is the, the palm branches. It said, most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road and others cut branches from trees and spread them on the roads. Other versions of the story make it clear that these are palm branches. Now, palm branches are signs of victory 
with integrity is what that meant. And so as they, as they waved the palm branches, and, and think about like the, the palm branches, and we're going to do it here in a, about six weeks or so, we're going to have Palm Sunday, and the kids are going to wave their palm branches, is that this is a sign of victory with integrity, that Jesus is going to win and become the king, and, and he's going to do so in the right way. And so when they were waving those branches and laying them down with the cloaks, it was a sign of victory and integrity. It was a sign that Jesus is the king and he is coming to rule. Now what they were saying is also interesting to me because some of the words that they said were other clues that Matthew gave that said, hey, this is really, really important. And they said the word Hosanna. Now that means save us, Lord, save us. And so what they were crying out was not just worship, but they were making a cry for a Messiah, somebody who would come and save the day. They wanted that king. And so by saying Hosanna instead of something like Alleluia, they were making a proclamation that Jesus is coming into town for the purpose of saving the day. Save us. Save us. It makes me think of, I think it's Ghostbusters 2, where they, as they're, as they're coming in to, to save the day and they come back, you know, they, they play that song, saving the day, saving the day. No, okay, you guys need to watch Ghostbusters 2. Um, uh, but but that, that's part of, of the experience is that that's what they're calling out. They need a savior, Hosanna. Now, they, they say this phrase, and, and again, it's, it's a little interesting, and it took me a little bit of study, but, but son of David really matters a great deal as well. Because God had made this promise, this covenant with David, that, that from his line, that from his inheritance, there would be a kingdom who would rule forevermore. And so the, the Jewish people believed and hoped that God would send the Messiah from the line of David. And that would be one of the ways in which they would know that this is the Messiah, is that they had to have the lineage from David. Now, some of you may have read like at the beginning of of Matthew and, and other versions, they sort of have the, the genealogy. And for us, that doesn't seem terribly important sometimes um, because it's just like, I don't know any of these people. But for the Jewish people, the Messiah had to come, had to be a son of David, had to be along the line of David. And so when they're calling out Hosanna, son of David, they're saying, save us, the promised one, the Messiah, that this is the one. And it's just this incredibly beautiful scene that we have. And, and, and Matthew has given us all these clues. Now, so, so again, I want you to kind of picture it. All right, so what, what has happened with Jesus is, is over the latter, uh, the chapters leading up to Matthew 21, he's been building a, a posse, a, a congregation, a crowd of people who believe that, that he is special, that he is the Messiah, some would even be at that point in time, to believe that. And so he would, do, he would do these healings, and, and as he healed somebody, um, they would start following him, and the family would start following him, and then he'd heal other people, and, and when he would teach, people would just be so amazed that, that there was this crowd of people that, that were entering. And so now I want you to imagine this scene again, all right? They're about to enter Jerusalem, all right? There is this crowd of people who are so excited for Jesus to come in, right? And so they've lined the streets of Jerusalem to welcome in their Savior, to welcome in their Messiah. They've laid down their cloaks. They're waving their palm branches. There's all this energy in the room. They're calling out, Hosanna, son of David, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is a big deal. It's not quite what the genie did, but it's close. 
And then instead of coming on an elephant, he's riding on a donkey. Can you imagine, I want you to think of that clip earlier. What would it have been like if Aladdin had come on a donkey? And that's what happened in our story. Everything else pointed to the fact that Jesus was king. And the king who was coming to save the day. But then there's this strange donkey in the story. So why would Jesus do that? I mean, it really, um, it, is, it is intended to make us think, what is going on here? Now, part, and again, what, what Matthew wanted to do was prove that Jesus was the Messiah. And so, as he often does in his gospel, he'll say things like this. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. And so what, what Jesus is doing is he's fulfilling the prophecy, but he's also representing a new model of kingship. That a king is not about being the most powerful. It's about being this humble leader. Now, in those days and in our day, we were obsessed with the concept of power. We love to see who's the richest person in the world and, and how they use that, that power. We, um, political offices fascinate us during the season to see who can be the most powerful and who can hold those positions. We, we adore celebrities in a way and the influence they have. We pay attention to the number of followers that people have on YouTube or Instagram and the influence and power that they have. And Jesus came here to turn our understanding of power upside down. The power does not come from the ability to look down on people. But power comes from the ability to walk alongside people. And he is this humble king. And so while he is the king, and all this evidence points to that, it's a king unlike anybody expected. Because he came on a donkey. He came humbly. Now, a donkey is, is, is refers to as a beast of burden. Now, what they would do is they would haul stuff from one place to another. That's what a donkey is good for. You put stuff on its back, and it goes, um, goes along the way. It is this beast of burden. And part of the image that I get here is that as, as the red carpet is rolled out for Jesus and as people cry out, Hosanna, Lord, save us, that's exactly what Jesus is doing. Is that, is that just as the donkey carried the burden from outside the city into the holy city of Jerusalem, so too does Jesus carry our burdens into the holy of holies where we can experience forgiveness and grace and love. And that he takes our burdens. I think about, um, there's a, a song that says, um, he takes our sins and our sorrows and he made them his very own and he bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. So we're seeing how marvelous, how wonderful. And this becomes part of our worship. Is that Jesus bore the burdens of our sins as he entered into town. And he was this great leader. Not coming with power, but coming with humility. And so what, what we do is we... Our response is to worship him. Simply put, when we, we see this king who is in every way a king, but in every way a king that's unexpected, 
Our response is worship. But sometimes we're, we're hesitant to do that. Um, when I was a, a pastor in, in Muldrow, um, I, I took my wife's car to get detailed. Um, I do that about once a decade, so I'm about due to do it again, all right? Um, and so I took my wife's car to, to get detailed. And, and while I was there, I, I was talking with the guy, and he said, well, what do you do? And that always makes me a little nervous because people respond weirdly to pastors. And so I said, well, I'm a pastor. And I waited just to see what would happen. Half the time, people apologize for cussing at some point in time in their life before me, all right? Um, and so what, um, what he said was, oh, he said, I need to go to church. And then he said these words, and I won't forget them. He said, he said I'm going to get my life right, and then I'm going to go to church. And I thought, whoa, stop. That's, that's not what you do. You, 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 you go to church, and because you're there and, and you open yourself to God, then your life will get right. You don't have to have everything together to come and worship the king. You don't have to have your life perfectly in order to follow Jesus. You start down the road, you begin this journey with him, and he changes the road into where he wants to take you. He'll walk, he'll carry you along the way. You don't have to get your life right to come to Jesus. But sometimes that's what we think. I mean, sometimes we even do that with our clothes. It's like, we got to look just right to come to church. I've got to be dressed just the right way, whatever that looks like for you. I've got to make an appearance when Jesus wants us just as we are where we are. It's not about having everything put together. It's about being together with Jesus. And part of what I love about this story is, is the way that people just sort of responded to Jesus and they didn't like have this big plan of like, oh, Jesus is coming to town. We've got to get the banner made so that we can unfold it along um, the walls. Instead, they, they took what they had, right? So part of what I loved is that they took their cloaks and, and they just laid them down there. Like, how do we make a red carpet? We just grab it, Right? If we needed to, to do something, I imagined that we would find a way to just get it done. And then they, they looked around and they, they saw the palm branches and they just grabbed those. I mean, broke them off. And I, I just love the image of these broken, these broken objects of praise. That, that they aren't these beautiful things, but in fact they're broken. Because that's what God does is he takes our brokenness. And he, he takes what we have, whether it be our cloak or whether it be a palm branch, and he makes something beautiful. There's this hymn that I remember singing um, when I grew, as I was growing up. It's called Something Beautiful. Something beautiful, something new. All my confusion, he understood. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife. But he made something beautiful of my life. And that's what I, I see with the palm branches. It's, it's something broken, but it's something beautiful. And that we worship God in that way. How many of you have ever gotten a beautiful gift of weeds from your child or a kid or a friend, right? Like they're just so proud of themselves, you know? Like they go out and they grab these weeds. You know, they're, they're beautiful flowers to them. And they, they bring them up to you and they say, here, I brought you a gift. Like how beautiful that feels, Right? And, and, and how, how you wouldn't turn that down and say, don't you know that that's trash, you know? We try to kill that. We spray stuff to kill that, right? <laughs> no. Because you love them. And what they're saying is, I love you. My friends, we, all we have to offer Jesus is broken and pulled weeds that look beautiful to us. And when given to him, they look beautiful. 
and that we, like them, cry out, Hosanna, Lord, save us. We may not have a lot to offer, but we offer it with our whole heart, and we offer it in worship. And so what we're going to be doing as we, as we take this journey is we're going to just be focusing on Jesus, on, on what he's done for us. And it begins with this posture of worship in which we cry out, Lord, save us. And so what I'm, I'm going to invite us to is just a little bit of time where, where we can be in prayer. I'm going to open us in prayer, and then we'll have some time of prayer. I'm going to invite the prayer team to, to go ahead and, and come forward and, and to be ready to, to pray for you. Because there are some of you who you brought burdens in today, and, and God wants to take those burdens from you. It says, cast your cares upon him, and he will care for you. And so we're going to have a little bit of time in which you can pray at the altar by yourself, or you can come and, and pray with one of our prayer team members. Or you can pray in your seat, but just to bring God whatever it is that you have today. Because whatever it is that you brought today, even if it's broken, it's a beautiful gift to God. And he wants to bear our burdens. And he wants us to worship. And so we lay down whatever we have and we bring it. And maybe there's some of you who, who really the cry of your heart is Hosanna, is Lord, save us. And maybe you've been following a lot of other paths and you've been trying to gain power or you've been following somebody or something else in which you thought this is the way life's supposed to be, but you haven't given your heart over to Jesus. And the real cry of your heart is, Lord, save me. Save me from this life that I'm in. Save us as a family from this brokenness that we're in. And if you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, I'd love for you to make that decision today. And so I'd love for you to come up with one of these prayer team members or, or come up to me. And we'd love for you to say, do you know what, today I'm going to cry out, Hosanna, Lord, save us. And Jesus will, because that's who Jesus is. Let us pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 830 and 1050 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.